Good morning, gorgeous. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Welcome to a brand new year. I am blessed and excited for everything that this year has in store for us. And I just want to wish you a happy new year here on the Dr. Dab Show. Thank you for all of your support and all of your love. Today, we have a segment from my channel on YouTube, Mornings with Michelle, where I cover content to help people with, you know, growing closer to God, having a relationship with Jesus, learning how to live here on this earth as someone who loves God and wants to live the way God wants us to live. And that channel is called Mornings with Michelle. I am reading a book right now on that channel called Disciplines of a Godly Woman. So if you love this content and you really enjoy discipleship, learning about God, getting closer to God in this sort of like systematic way, then make sure to follow me on that YouTube channel called Mornings with Michelle. And I'm excited to see you there. But today we're talking about the discipline of worship. And I covered this a little bit in the last episode on this um, book where we talked about the discipline of prayer. I talked about worship. So this is kind of kind of be a little bit of a repeat of that information, but it's also going to be a little bit different. Worship is a really exciting and interesting concept because once you understand worship, it's not so difficult. It's not like you have to put so much effort into it. But when you understand worship, you also understand how much it affects your life when you are in constant worship of God. So that's what we're talking about today. I want you to go ahead and sit back and relax and get something to write with, get something warm and cozy or cool and refreshing to drink. And let's talk about this. I'm going to read through the book, but I'm not going to read a lot because I feel like for one, I've talked about this topic in the previous video when we talked about prayer. I've kind of already touched over it. And I feel like this is really a conversation that needs to take place in your heart with the Lord. But for those of you who are here for the first time, hi, my name is Michelle. Welcome to Mornings with Michelle. And we're reading out of the book, The Disciplines of a Godly Woman by Barbara Hughes and this book just talks about how to be a disciplined woman of God like different things that women of God really should be implementing into their lives in order to live a fulfilled and purposeful life that pleases God and in this chapter we're talking today about the discipline of worship and when you hear the word worship a lot of times you think of like what like singing or going to church worship is spiritual and it took me a long time to figure out exactly what worship meant because when I think of worship I think of the time that you are spending in prayer with God and you're telling God how wonderful he is how great he is and that's all I thought worship was until I realized how much deeper worship actually is worship is a full surrender of your heart, of your spirit to the Lord, and it manifests in everything you do. And in my previous video, I talked about the fact that your whole life is worship. Your whole life is worship to God. The way you eat, the way that you speak to people, the language that you use, the kinds of movies and music that you listen to, the things that you do with your money, the things that you do with your time, all of it is worship. And That is something I think many people don't understand, but if they were able to really give their life to Christ in that way where you're saying that my life is yours and I want to live in every way, having you in mind in everything I do as to whether or not this is something that you want for me. And I want to bring you glory. I want people to look and say, wow, this person's different. Like, what is it? And it point back to God, point back to you. That is worship. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
So you're presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. Back in, you know, the times before Jesus, when you wanted to approach God, when you wanted to fellowship with God, when you wanted to ask for forgiveness of your sins and atone for them, you had to bring a sacrifice. You can never walk to God and just be like, oh, hey, God, here I am. I got some things to talk about. Let's do this. No, like you had to come to God in a very holy way, in a very systematic way. And he demanded that you bring him a sacrifice. You needed to bring him an animal or some grains, some baked goods. You needed to bring something to say that this is something of mine that I'm giving up for you in order to even commune with you, in order to even hear from you, in order to even be forgiven. And when Jesus came, he took that away. Like there's no need now for you to bring God anything in that way because now what you're bringing is yourself. You are the sacrifice. Jesus was a sacrifice for us. His whole life, his body, everything about him was a sacrifice for us. And in return, we honor him through the way that we live. And that is our spiritual worship. Worship is spiritual. It comes from deep down within it's not just something that you can perform and do. In the book, she says, worship is not something that we just relegate to Sunday mornings or any other single hour of the week. The worship language of the Old Testament is changed in the New Testament so that worship is broader, encompassing all of life. There are no longer sacred times or sacred spaces. By that, I mean, we need to not go to the temple, the holy place to worship God. Christians are to worship God all the time under the new covenant. That is essentially the message of this book, worshiping God through reverent submission in all of life. Corporate worship is what we do on Sunday morning, is simply a particular expression of a life of continual worship. Every time I confess my self-reliance and submit my life to God's will in a particular area, I am worshiping God. In the Bible, when Samuel the priest was talking to King Saul, he said that to obey is better than sacrifice. First Samuel 15, 22. So in the book, she's just basically saying that whenever you are faced with a decision, whenever you're faced with anything in life, when you think about God and you bring God's will and you talk to God about it and you flow with God, that is your worship. That is you saying that you're submitting yourself into God's will, what he wants. And People will do lots of things to try to win God or try to show God how much they love him or how hard they're trying. Things like sacrificing, sacrificing food by fasting. And they'll do these fast 21 days, 40 days of fasting. But God says, look, <laughs> your fast is cool, but that's not what I want. I desire for you to actually listen to the things I tell you to do on a day-to-day -day basis more than you sacrificing. Go ahead and eat that shrimp burrito, girl. Just go ahead and eat it because I would rather you talk to your husband with a gentle voice. Much more than I care about you skipping out on this burrito to say that, you know, you're sacrificing for me. Sacrifice your temperament. Sacrifice your will to combat every single thing that he tells you. Sacrifice your need to be right all the time. That's what I want. That's you shifting your heart to bring glory to me. Go ahead and eat the shrimp burrito. And this is how you build a real relationship with God. You flowing with him. You thinking about him, honoring him. When we think of worship, a lot of people think of worship service. I know that people say like, oh, do you go to church? You should go to church. Are you part of a church? Do you have a church home? You hear that a lot. And before coming to Christ, I used to think that the church was a place. I didn't even know that the word church is not a building. The church are the people who have been saved by Christ, the people who are Christ followers. That is a church. So the church service is where you go on Sunday. And some people will call that worship service. Some people say, I'm going to church. And some people will say, I'm going to worship service. Now, the posture that you take when you're going to church or you're going to a worship service is one that we're going to talk about because some people feel like going to church is just something that you check off of your Christian to-do list. And some people will date guys who, you know, when you ask like, oh, so do you believe in God? Maybe that's what you'll say. And they'll say, oh yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I believe in God. I go to church. And it's like, yes, 
got him. Like, that's all I need. But church is just one very small part of your walk with God. It's just you are once a week tap in with other believers and tap in from a word from a man of God to speak into your life. But for some people, church is just a show. And you know what? I have to be honest with you. For me, there was a time in my life, I kind of feel like I should get into better lighting. There was a time in my life where church really was a show. Like I was in college and I remember I had to find a different church because I wasn't close to my home church. And I remember like testing out all these churches based on how much I liked the pastor's sermon. And then I finally found the one and I loved this pastor. He was so charismatic. His messages just mm, spoke to me and that's all I cared about. And I would look forward to Sunday because it was almost like entertainment. It was like I was going to a comedy show or I was going to a movie and I would invite people. If I was dating someone, I would go with them and it would be like our event for the day. And that's really how I saw it. I saw it as a place for the person who is speaking to engage me. I didn't see it as a time to engage God, as a time to pour out to God. I didn't see it as a place where I am waiting to receive something from God, from the pastor. And when I when I say that, I don't mean just like receiving the word that he's giving. I mean receiving something personal, something that I know God put on the pastor's heart to say because of me, with expectation. But not just being there to receive from the pastor, receive from the worship team, receive, 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 but also to give. And that's what she's talking about here. In the book, she says, after the service, everyone asks, what did you think of the service today? Or they slip out of the door as quick as possible, which I've also done. The real question should be, what did God think of it? And of us, we ought to ask, what did I give to God? Preparing for worship service isn't just something that ministers are supposed to do. And so now I want to ask you, are you part of a church? Do you even go to church? Okay, since COVID, that's been a whole thing. Like a lot of people don't even attend church anymore, even online anymore, because it's just inconvenient. And that break gave us a real break from worshiping. And God actually does say that we should not forsake the assembly and we should not you know, give up meeting with other Christians, meeting with other followers of Christ for so many different reasons. It is something God wants us to do. It's not just an activity. So we are supposed to connect with other believers, but a lot of people stop going to church, period. So I want to even ask you, do you go to church? Are you a part of a church? Or maybe you got saved and you never actually got to connect to a church. You've been listening to sermons, you read your Bible, you know, you're doing your best, but you're not actually connected to a church. That's something that's really important. Um, I'm actually going to move to see if I can get some better lighting. Are you connected to a church? You need other people. You need the companionship of other people to be able to help push prayers through, to check on you, to help one another. Those of you who are struggling financially, people are there to help you. I mean, there are so many benefits of being connected to a body of Christ, but that's not what today's topic is about. We're talking about worshiping. So when you go to church, this is something that can be a family thing. It can be a personal thing. You may live in a home where only you go to church. You may go to a different church than maybe your parents go to. But church is a really personal thing. You should be somewhere where you truly feel like this is where God wants you. I have found a church I love online, but it's in a different state. So I still tune in. I still feel like I'm part of that church, but I'm not actually there to physically fellowship with other people and know them. And that's really important, especially having a pastor, a pastor to pray over you, a pastor to help you, to guide you. That is a really important person to have in your life outside of, you know, your husband and your friends and your parents. But worship service or going to church can sometimes be an area of contention for people. Like a lot of couples fight on Sundays. I know my mom, like growing up, I remember on Sundays, there would always be like issues with us waking up and she's like, come on, you guys need to wake up. And it was always like this eye rolling moment of like, oh, it's so early. I want to just go to sleep. So even waking up for church is an issue sometimes. And the enemy is really good about causing fights between husbands and wives 
on Sunday mornings because the kids are not ready and the, the wife is rushing the husband or the wife is like, hey, are you going to church? And he's like, nah, I'm not going. And now she's mad at him. Or there's an argument in the morning and by the time you get to church, you're all in a bad mood. Everyone's pissed. I have had that happen so many times and not, not with my husband necessarily, but like with family members where I'm at church and <laughs> I'm so upset or my mom is mad at me or whatever and it's really uncomfortable it's like here you are in a place where you're supposed to be shedding all of that and you are angry thank god that by the time we leave we're always in a better place and that's the goodness of god but that's why she says in the book that it's so important that if you are married that you try to prepare for worship you try to set out the clothes that you're going to wear, set out your children's clothes, get their bags ready. If you have a diaper bag, get that prepared, get bottles, get everything prepared so that you just wake up and you can just go. Try not to let that Sunday morning be a hindrance to you. And we already know that like so many men don't go to church. And I think a lot of it sometimes comes from the fact that church became this problematic topic in the household or the wife was nagging him, or the wife was doing certain things, and, and maybe the husband too, who knows. I think that the wife almost always was doing it out of good intentions, but that frustration that can come up sometimes can cause men to just shut down and say, I ain't going, I ain't going. And now they're not going for seven years. Now they're watching football every time you get home from church. Now you're extra mad after you've been good at church. So just knowing all of these things and praying about them, preparing and you know, getting yourself in a position where you're going to church ready. And she also talks about being ready in terms of like what you've done that week. Have you been talking to God? Have you been praying? Have you been in his presence? When you're going to church, are you going with expectation? Are you ready to sing to him and to worship to him and, you know, to hear from other people? Maybe you go to a church that has people who give prophetic words or you have a church where people do, you know, different things for the body of Christ. Are you ready to receive that? Are you ready to give some of that? You know, it's it's a beautiful thing to think about preparing to go to church because I've never thought about that. I'll just show up, girl. I just show up. But knowing that you really shouldn't be showing up empty handed, even money wise, you know, even like tithing and offerings. Do you come to church always scrambling through your purse trying to find 25 cents? <laughs> or do you know at the beginning of the week, let me put aside $25. Let me put aside $100 because I know I want to give this in the offering. Um, or maybe you're going to give through like Venmo or through your phone app, but having all of that ready, like knowing that you're going to set aside $100 to give as an offering. That's all preparation. So she says in the book that preparing for church is not something that only ministers are supposed to be doing. The answer begins with Saturday preparation, laying out your Bible, agreeing with your spouse and your children about what time you're going to all get up in the morning, and then waiting for the Lord to speak to you. Waiting in expectation when you go to church, just knowing that God is going to say something to you and waiting for whatever that word is. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a faith thing. And remembering that how we worship also pleases God. There are times where you'll be in church and people are up, they're singing, they're praising, they're clapping. You got people just sitting there like this. They have no desire to actually worship. Like they're there and it's like a bump on a log. It's, it's just dishonoring. And if you have children who are doing that, it's important to encourage them to pray and to dance and to sing and to be involved and not act like they would rather be somewhere else because how we worship is important to God. And in terms of also like waiting expectantly for certain things, I've noticed in my personal life that when it comes to giving to certain ministries, this has been consistent for me. Whenever I sow into a ministry, like even if it's someone on YouTube, if they're pouring into my life, they're saying things and I'm just like, I feel like I'm growing. I feel like this is a gift, a blessing. I'll give them $10, $20. If I'm listening to a sermon from a pastor I've never seen before and I'm like, this really blessed me, I'll sow into his ministry. I'll sow $50, $100, whatever, however much I feel led to sow. And you know what happens? The next time I listen to that person, or at some point, this person always speaks directly into my life. Maybe questions I've had I've never had answered. Maybe some, something in me that needed to be healed. Whatever it is, it's like God somehow supernaturally 
uses whatever money I have given to that person spiritually and like gives them an idea of something to say. They have no idea that they're saying this. They have no idea who I am, that I'm listening, but gives them something to say that is directly for me. Now, of course, God can and does this regardless of whether or not you sow. But when you do give, it is magnified. It is, it is incredible. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed being in Christ is how the Lord will use people to speak directly into my situation that I have sown into. And it's a beautiful thing. If you've never done it before, I would challenge you to, you know, do it by faith and see how this happens. But God works in the most incredible ways. And one of those ways is by giving. And when you give, you will receive. And doesn't mean that you'll receive right away or receive what you gave or receive in the same way that you give. But you may, you know, give some money and receive a word that transforms your entire life. And what's more valuable? And then she talks about God-centered worship. God-centered worship begins with a focus on the awesome revelation of God. This God of Holy Scripture is the omnipotent, all-powerful creator who spoke everything into existence. This is God who is omnipresent, present everywhere, above everything, below everything, but not contained in anything. God is omniscient. He knows everything, even numbering the hairs on our head. He knows our thoughts before we think them or make them known. God is holy and dwells in the unapproachable light of his own glory. Jesus tells us in John 4 24 that we must worship in spirit and in truth. Worshiping in truth means that we come informed by the objective revelation of God's word about how great the God that we serve is and the precepts that he has spoken. In this sense, our worship is governed by what we know and believe about God. The better informed we are, the better we can worship. It is really hard to worship someone that you don't know. It is so hard to really be able to tap in to God when you don't even know him. You don't even know his attributes. You don't know how good he is. You don't know what he can even do. And that's why you have to read your Bible. When you read your Bible, you get an understanding of who God is. Once you know who God is, when you worship him, whether you're praying or you're singing, it comes from a deep, deep, deep place within because you know that this is who he is. So when God says in the word that he can do all things, that all things are possible with God, then you know, okay, this is my God who can do anything. Nothing is impossible for him. Anything at all is possible. So when you're worshiping him, you're saying, Lord, I love you so much. You are the God of the heaven and the earth, the alpha and the omega, the beginning of the end, the God who can do all things. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. I know that it is possible, Father God, for me to be pregnant, even though the doctors say that I can't, even though I've never been able to conceive. Nothing is impossible for you. You are the ruler of my life. You are the one who sees everything. You are the one who knows that what you've promised me. And I know, Lord Jesus, that you are a key of your promises, that you will never leave me or forsake me, that you are my strength and my shield, that nothing can ever overcome me, Lord Jesus. You know these things because you've read them and then the Lord plants it in your heart and then he manifests that to you. And that's what gives you the ability to really worship him. That's what gives you the faith to believe in the things that he's told you. So you have to read the Bible so you know his attributes, you know who he is, and then you can worship in spirit and in truth. There is a difference between just singing a song and singing the song with your spirit. Your spirit is deep down within. And when you know God, it pulls from this place where you're able to actually experience God. And then when you're singing and you're praising him, it's coming from a place where you are plugged in, you are charged up by heaven versus just singing, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. But if you read about how great he is and how wonderful he is, and you're reading about the parables of Jesus healing women who have bled for all these years, bringing up children who have died from the dead, allowing a woman whose husband has died to remarry a really amazing man, 
then when you sing, you're like, and it doesn't matter if your voice sucks, you are singing from the depths within and you are pulling out of your spirit and you're worshiping him now in spirit and in truth, the truth of who God is. And that doesn't ever change regardless of what's happening in your life. The truth of who God is never changes. I want to continue, but I have to go. So I'm going to actually continue this video tomorrow, God willing, and hopefully we can get through this chapter because I just got so pulled in with this topic. Uh, so we'll continue tomorrow. See you soon. I apologize. I had to cut the video and start it up again because I ran out of time. When I tell you there has been so much warfare against getting this message out, I don't understand it, but perhaps there's something in this message that will really free and help some of you because it has been ridiculous. And someone literally just started mowing the lawn right in front of me. So I'm sorry that there's gonna be some noise, but I'm gonna just plow through this because this information has to get out. When we're talking about worshiping in spirit and in truth, one of the most important things is that when you're worshiping that you connect there has to be that like even mental connection sometimes because as we worship we oftentimes start getting distracted and thinking about other things and you know just not focusing our attention on the lord and what really helps in terms of like your personal time your personal worship is playing worship music um i will tell you though that not all worship music is made equally some people call themselves like worship artists or christian artists but their music is not actually worship sometimes the music is talking about a certain aspect of their life of their walk with god but there is a difference when the music is actually in worship to the lord there are some artists that have like a, a mixture of different things and there are some people who literally just only worship so just know there is a difference and that's why sometimes you can listen to some music and you feel like okay like it's emotional because maybe you're talking about yourself like maybe the song is about yourself and god doing things inside of you and that kind of thing which is great but when it's worship music the music is literally exalting the lord praising the lord talking about the lord's attributes giving glory and honor to god it's a pure release of gratitude of thankfulness of honor of reverence it's different than just saying you know <laughs> i don't know like I, I know that you probably know what i'm talking about if you've paid attention to different kinds of music and i'll tell you right now just straight out for those of you who listen to like mainstream christian or gospel artists one person that is like a hundred percent a worshiper and his music is pure worship is william mcdowell when you listen to his music, you can feel the love and the passion and the adoration for the Lord. When you watch him, his shows are all worship. Like he's not there to say, look at me, you know, um, dancing around and wanting the attention to be on himself. There's nothing wrong with dancing. There's nothing wrong with performing. But there's a difference when a person is performing versus a person who is worshiping on stage. And that is the difference between like gospel artists who are just like performers, really. Their music is really turned into something very different versus a worshiper. And I will link one of William McDowell's songs below so you can hear and you can actually see what I'm talking about with the difference between the two. But that's something the Holy Spirit will, will reveal to you, will highlight to you if you're looking for people who are more worshipers. It's not every song that I can listen to during worship time. There are some songs that just really uplift my, my spirit in a way where I feel energized and it's not really worship. And that music has its place too. But I find that when I am in that secret place and I am pouring my heart out to the Lord, it's not every song that feels like I'm even talking to God, you know, and that's when it's like a lot more obvious to me. So I just wanted to point that out. William McDowell um, on YouTube, Victor Thompson, he is a true worshiper and his music is perfect <laughs> for getting into the presence of God, of really just throwing yourself in front of the Lord's feet. Also, if you're looking for like a more mainstream person or a woman, I really like Doe. Uh, Doe Jones, her music is beautiful. There are some songs that are just kind of like about her and about her life, but she has a really good balance of 
pure worship songs where you know like this is all about her and her love and her relationship with God and it's very relatable and then some like easy listening like driving down the road feeling like connected to God but not in like a pure worship mode so I will link all three of those people below in case you're looking for someone who is a worshiper and you want to connect with God in that way I also wanted to mention that when you're worshiping you can worship in all different aspects of your life i mentioned like being in the secret place like being in your prayer closet or in your bedroom or in your car and just giving yourself to god in that way where no one is around you are focused purely on the word on praising and seeking the lord but there's also times where that's just not possible and you can still find time to worship the lord because your worship again is your life whatever you're doing you're doing it onto the lord and so part of that can be you deciding to shut your mind off and shut off your phone because maybe you're washing dishes and you're watching youtube videos and worship god you can pray you can sing you can pray in tongues or you can even have the worship music playing and be singing and worshiping him while you're washing those dishes all of it is a lifestyle so it's not just like okay for these 30 minutes every day it's going to be just me and you god and nothing else and then the rest of the day as i'm doing whatever i'm doing i'm focused on all of these things of the world that is not a lifestyle of worship there is always that communion that conversation where God is talking to you and you're listening to him and those usually come in the times where you are silent you are focused on doing something whether it's your makeup or you're cleaning your house or you're getting your children's lunch packs ready those moments of silence is usually when God slips a little answer to a question or gives you an idea or gives you some comfort or gives you revelation to something you've been wondering about. It's in those moments that you can praise the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you for just always taking my children and I to school safely and bringing us home safely. Like out there in the world, there are so many car accidents and tragedies every single day. And yet you are so faithful to always protect us in everything. I thank you so much, Father, as you're making your child's lunch back. And these moments really do open up the windows of heaven to pour you down blessings in ways that you can never even imagine. So try to find ways to worship in the small moments and the things that maybe you never thought was an appropriate time to worship. Like if you're with your husband, I don't know if there are people under 18 watching this, but if you're with your husband, that can be a moment to worship. And you may think like, what do you mean? I'm like in this, you know, what? this is beautiful this is god given this is a blessing to you it's a gift to you and it's a beautiful time for you to thank god for this man that you gave me thank you that he knows how to make me feel great you know i'm trying to you know censor this for younger viewers but you know what i'm talking about let that be a moment for you to pause and worship god in that way and you'd be so surprised <laughs> at what god can do in those moments and i know that for some of you when it comes to worship you may not feel like worshiping God. And I understand that 100%. Most days, I'll be honest, I do not feel like worshiping God. I am thinking about the problems that I have, what I need, what I want, what I lack. And sometimes I may not be thinking about any of those things, but I'm just busy. Like I don't have time to like start singing, you know? And those are your soulish entities trying to capture you and pull you away from God. That's like your flesh, your body. Your spirit always wants to worship God. Your spirit was made for God. Your spirit loves God. But your soul is always fighting against your spirit in that way. And, you know, there's a scripture about this. Hold on. Sometimes I know things, but I can't remember the actual scripture. I found it. It's Romans chapter 8, 7 to 9. And it says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So it's just basically talking about the fact that like your soul and your spirit are, are always clashing. 
and your flesh, your desires, your carnal mind always wants certain things and your soul may be like, please pray, please pray. But you're like, I don't really feel like it. I don't have time. I don't know what to talk about. And so if you always listen to your soul, then you're never going to do it. And so you have to like kill your flesh and you have to force yourself to do what your spirit really desires because your spirit always desires God. And I was listening to a pastor once who talked about saying this psalm when you're in that position, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So in that, you are telling your soul what to do. You are telling your body, your mind what to do. Your words are life. You can speak life into your body. You can make yourself do things by your words. So when you say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. You start getting like a, a stirring up in your body where you are now more energized spiritually to pray or to worship. And each time I do that, I'm always able to get into that mode and pray. So try it. Let me know if it works out for you. Okay, let's get back to the book because I know I've been on one. She says in the book, besides worshiping in truth, we worship in spirit. Notice the small s referring to our human spirits, the inner person. True worship flows from the inside out. Worship is not an external activity, but it is of necessity first internal. Jesus warned hypocrites with the words of Isaiah. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. True worshiping springs from within our spirit, from the spontaneous affections of the heart, as it did from the heart of David when he wrote Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. And that is so beautiful. That is one of the most important things when you are going through something and you are doubting God, you are so stressed, you are hopeless. It's putting your hope in his word. And that's what David is saying. He's saying that I, I wait for you. I put my hope in your holy word. That's where my hope lies, Lord. Like, I hope everything that you're telling me is true because that is where my hope lies in the word that you gave me. And that's what helps you to believe and to have faith and to connect. And I know some of you may really struggle with connecting to God and worshiping him in this way. Like, you may be able to sing the songs or even maybe sing these like worship songs where a lot of times they're worshiping themselves or not even worshiping God. You're able to like, you know, just get with it but internally you don't believe those things you don't feel those words you don't have those words hidden in your heart and sometimes i even feel like people are being very blasphemous when they are in church and they are singing these songs and it's not from their heart they're saying lord you are my strength you are my stronghold you are my redeemer you are my everything and and truly the Lord is not their everything. Their, the Lord is not their hope. Their Lord is not anything. They are saying these things, but they don't mean it. And I don't think that does anyone any good. When you're worshiping, it should be real. When you're singing those songs with those lyrics, it should be real. Like it really should be how you feel as you're saying these things unto the Lord, or you're saying them in vain. You're literally lying. And I know that there are some people who really believe that the Lord has left them, has abandoned them. Maybe you feel rejected because of things that have happened to you in your life. This really came on my heart heavy last night, where I believe that some of you are struggling with the fact that you were not in the family that you feel like you belonged in. Like maybe your mother or your father committed adultery and you were the baby of someone else. You weren't the baby of both of your parents that you live with. Or maybe you're the child of a man who already has a family and he committed adultery with your mother. So you feel rejected. You feel like you're not wanted. You feel like you're the black sheep. Maybe you're treated like that in your family where you are not treated fairly, where people are always looking at you as a problem, as a scapegoat, as someone who's different than everyone else. Maybe you can tell that your parents literally treat you differently. They literally treat you worse. And you don't know why. 
maybe something happened and you don't even realize it happened. You just feel like there's something different about the way they treat you. And that is so painful. But the Lord wants you to know that he loves you, that regardless of what your parents have done, how you were conceived, how you came into this world, the way that they respond to you, you have a God in heaven who loves you absolutely purely, deeply and dearly. And if you take the time to read the Bible, you will see how many people God used who were rejected. He gave us the Bible so that we can have an example of the different people that were not perfect, did not come from perfect situations, so that when we look at it, we can relate. We can see how much God loves us because our lives resemble the lives of these people. And that's why it's so important that you actually listen and read the Bible and listen to God and believe God because these are blueprints for you. If you look at the people God chose to do the most incredible things in the Bible, these were usually people who were rejected, people who had to leave their their parents, people who their parents didn't even think that they were worthy of anything good or didn't even want to claim them. Maybe they didn't even have parents. Maybe the person's parents died and they were an orphan. There are so many people in the Bible that God used for the most incredible things that their parents was actually a really big issue. Even though it's not talked about in the Bible, it's clear that they had serious issues with their parents in childhood because of feeling abandoned or rejected or unloved. And God wants you to know that he loves you so much. And those tend to be the people that God really really holds closed and takes them to levels that no one would ever expect so that you can see that he is God and that other people can see that God doesn't play by your rules. He sees the heart. He sees his child and he will take his child to places no one would ever believe because they belong to him. So if you're struggling with that, I just wanted to share that with you. And I hope it's encouraging because that is really deep in my heart right now. For those of you who struggle with your parents treating you as a second class citizen. Now, moving along, when you stop connecting in your spirit with God, you should start to feel some distance. So if you're used to spending time with God in your secret place, you're worshiping him, you're praying, and then you go a week, you go two weeks, you go three weeks and you're not you're not touching base, you're not connecting with God, your spirit will start to feel a void. You will start to feel empty. And you may not know what it is. You might think maybe you need a donut or you need some coffee or you need to have sex with some guy or you you know, you might start thinking about things that will just give you that exhilarating rush, that dopamine, that excitement, but nothing will work. No amount of drugs, alcohol, no amount of dates, no amount of clothes, no amount of likes, no amount of anything will ever fill the void that is made for God, that place in your heart that is made for God. And so when you start to feel that, that is your spirit crying out to you to say, connect, connect. That's God saying, Lisa, I need to talk to you. Jennifer, come on into the secret place. Like we have some things to catch up on. Janet, I miss you. Where have you been? Like, let's talk. It's okay. I know it's been a while, but I want to talk to you. It's us that, you know, we feel like we're the ones that put up that void, that wall. And we say, okay, well, obviously God's mad at me because I haven't prayed in three weeks, but he's not mad at you. He just wants you to come back and connect. That connection is what's going to fuel your ability to worship him. It don't wait until you get into a problem, into some kind of situation. You need money. Your car broke down. Your your man left you. Don't wait until you get into something so serious to start calling out to God. Let it be a communication that is always there that you can pick up at any point and say, Lord, I know it's been a while, but I'm here. Here I am. I miss you too just connect again. It says here in the book, because Jesus Christ is the ultimate revelation of God, he must be the central focus of our worship. When you're worshiping, it is so necessary that you connect with Jesus because Jesus is the only reason that you can connect with God. 
before you had to go through a priest like i mentioned before you had to bring a sacrifice and only the high priest could be the one to talk to god and he had to bring the concerns and you know all the different things to god you couldn't even do it on your own it is because of jesus that that curtain was ripped in half from the top to the bottom that allowed us to be able to have a communication directly with god so we have to always honor Jesus. He has to always be the center of our focus because he is the door. He's the way to the father. He's the only way that you can get to the father. The only reason God listens to us is because of Jesus. He sees us and he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus's face when he's thinking about us. So he deserves all the honor and the glory and the praise. Jesus is God. It's all one and the same, but at the same time, they're also different. Jesus is God in the flesh. He represents God. He is God, right? But he is God to relate to us. If you're saved, if you're born again, then you have God inside of you. So it's a representation of Jesus. That makes sense. And then it talks about the public reading of the word of God. And it says the public reading of God's word is important. At church, we stand for the reading of scriptures for two reasons. First, to get our attention, and also to make the point as a congregation that we stand together under its authority, the authority of the scripture. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he showed us that the scriptures are our very life. When he quoted the words of Moses in answer to Satan's temptation, he says, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The scriptures were life to Moses and food to Jesus. How about us? Okay, so when we worship, it's so important that we are also tapping into the word of God, into the Bible. If you are not born again, meaning if you have not actually given your life over to God, to Jesus, then reading the Bible is going to just be a blur for you. It's just going to be a book. When you are born again, when God lives inside of you, when you have actually given your life over to say, I'm going to live for you, Jesus, not just I believe in you, not just, okay, yes, I believe you were alive. You died for my sins. You rose again on the third day. I'm saved. We're good. Not just that. When you're saying, I am stopping my old ways because I no longer agree with these ways, I want to live for you. I want you to come into my heart and change me into the image of you. When you are serious about that and you make that commitment to the Lord, then God says, I'm going to live inside of you now. You're going to be my temple. I'm going to be one with you. And when that happens and you read the Bible, the Bible comes to life. It completely changes. You understand what you're reading, for one, and then you can hear the voice of God coming through the Bible as you read and speaking to your personal situations. It becomes your food. It becomes your life. There have been times where I have been so stressed and I'm just like, I need a word from God. I need a word from God. Nothing anyone's going to tell me is going to help me because only God can speak into the situation. I need a word from God. <laughs> and I go straight into the Bible and I say, Lord, please speak to me. And by faith, I'm always able to go to a scripture and it could just mean he tells me, okay, well, let's talk. Go to the book of Samuel and start reading. And so by faith, I'll go to the book of Samuel. And I said, okay, this looks like a good place to start by faith. I don't hear a voice saying first Samuel chapter eight, verse nine. No, I just by faith believe I am being led to first Samuel. And by faith, I start reading. I read and I read and I read until I believe internally. I feel God telling me that's it right there. That sentence right there. That's what I have to say to you. Or it could just be I read it and it's like the words jump off the book. Like it's like the word is screaming at me like that's it. And that's how I get what I need. And that nourishment is what sustains me through whatever situation I'm going through. So you can do this again with the note cards or however you do it. But having the word of God as an authority and as importance in your life is so necessary. And for those of you who struggle with like reading the Bible and having the willingness to like go through scripture, 
I would recommend the Bible app. They have a scripture right here every day. And then if you scroll down just a little bit, it says guided prayer. And if you click that, it starts with like a prompt, like what's on your mind today? And then as you go, it gives you a prayer that you know teaches you basically how to pray you worship God you tell God about who he is and why he is the authority in your life and then it goes to the next page where it gives you a scripture for you for that day and today's scripture is cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you he will never allow the righteous to be shaken Psalm 55 22 so you can also pick which version of the Bible you want the scripture to be in so it speaks to you um, the way that you're used to. And then it asks you a question like, what concerns you need to surrender today to the Lord? Name those concerns and imagine literally handing them over to God. So I like this because it's really fast. It's like 10 minutes, but it gives you two scriptures to meditate on, to take in, to hold on to throughout your day. And it's very good for those of you who are struggling to really get into your Bible the way that you should. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and finish up because this video has gotten quite long. It takes discipline to remember that what we are doing when we gather for Sunday morning worship is only an extension of what has been going on in our lives all week long. It is so easy to give way to thinking that says we worship only on Sunday mornings. To think that suggests that we're not worshiping during the rest of the week. Sunday should be like any other day of the week. The only difference is that you're worshiping with other people. But every day we can be singing hymns, reading the scripture, and submitting our lives to God's authority. What we do on Sunday should help equip us to serve God throughout the week. Worship, whether by yourself at home, in the workplace, in the classroom, or with the church gathered, is consecration. Worship is serving God every day. Romans 12.1 says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And that, my friends, is all. I hope that this was helpful to you to remember that your worship is your life. Your body is a living sacrifice presented to the Lord. You do not worship just on Sundays. You worship all day, every day, <laughs> and you connect with God and you don't let it go too long without connecting to your King, to your Father, and remembering that He loves you so deeply and dearly, wants a communication and a relationship with you. And regardless of what is happening here on earth with your earthly parents, God is your Father and He will never reject you. So make sure that you are coming to him in spirit and in truth all day, every single day. I thank you so much for spending your time with me. I hope that this was helpful. I love you all so much. And until next time, bye-bye.